0: Hello everyone and welcome back to HOA, it's a true story. I'm your host, Reagan Brown, and my guest today is Andrew Hay, the CEO of Helsing Group. He recently published an article on artificial intelligence and its use in HOAs. I find this topic extremely interesting, fascinating, and quite honestly, intimidating. So I'm really excited about diving into this one. So thank you, Andrew, for joining us today and welcome to HOA It's a True Story.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I have also with me today the dynamic duo. We have Bill Mann, president of GB Group.
2: Thank you, Regan.
0: And Kelly Zibel, owner of DC Group Management.
3: Thanks, Regan.
0: So, Andrew, let's let's go with you here. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody tomorrow. but I'd love to kind of know more about yourself and how you got into your company and CEO of the company.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And again, thank you for having me. Um, It's a real honor to be here. Um, I started in this industry 14 years ago as a manager, had no clue what HOA management was all about, had lived with my family in an HOA, but as we all know, that's really not even close to the tip of the iceberg of what we deal with on a a day-to-day basis. So uh, it's been an exciting 14 years. I've been with the Helsing Group the entire time, Um, and it's been phenomenal to watch our industry grow uh, and change.
0: Nice. Well, you wrote an article about artificial intelligence. First, tell me what prompted you to write an article about that? That's pretty unusual and very cutting edge.
1: Absolutely. So every, uh, I'm on the the vision committee, uh, which Mm -hmm. is an editorial committee for that magazine for CACM. And each quarter we have a theme and this theme was planning for the future. Uh, And I felt like uh, talking about AI was the best way to do that. Our industry is actually a bit behind the curve as it relates to AI. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really here and now. It's not something coming down in the future. Uh, and it is something we use in our day-to-day lives, whether it's uh, the self-driving cars you see, right, that are mapping out Google, or if you're driving a Tesla, uh, to as simple as spell check uh, within Word or your Outlook programs, uh, predictive text, those types of things is all, are all forms of AI that we've been living with for a long time. And it's a time for our industry to kind of come, come alive with, uh, with how we can make this uh, work for us and work for our clients.
0: How do you see it working in HOAs? I'm not, you know, I mean, it's a board and it's management. Where does AI fit into all this?
1: A lot of different ways, but I think, you know, it's sort of like you got to eat the elephant one bite at a time, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I would say primarily right off the bat, there's some, some free or some very inexpensive ways to incorporate um, how we respond to our clients and be able to meet the demands of today's clients and homeowners and allowing AI to do that for us or at least assist us with that. Um, it can connect to the database that contains your governing documents. It can connect to the bookkeeping software that you may be using to be able to give very straightforward answers to owners who email in questions that otherwise you have to spend manpower researching and giving answers to.
3: Andrew, I've seen it used by management companies, like kind of in that, like in the form of like a chat bot, is that sort of what you're referring to? Like a little person that appears on the website to answer questions? Is that what you're sort of talking
1: about? That, um, and there are a number of different software providers that connect directly into the CRM. So it it responds in an email, um, just like as if they were talking to a person, the end user doesn't necessarily know they're not talking to a person in that situation. That's pretty cool. Right.
2: So, did you actually like when you say it? You can have the CCNRs, you know, available to it. So, if someone asked a question about the CCNRs, it's able to respond accurately.
1: Correct. If so you set up the prompts, question? if if you set it the prompts right, then it it can, and and that's mm-hmm. the big thing, which I'll get into uh, a little bit later when we talk through some of the other questions that you have. But um, it, it's it's all about the guidance that you give it. And mm-hmm. that'll, that'll help with the accuracy of the answers.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, when should a board embrace using this?
1: It's not often that board members are going to be using this as in their role, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they are a, a self-managed association, maybe they have direct employees. But remember, boards should really govern the association through their policy creation making high level decisions. But what they do need to be aware of is this is out there and it's something that management companies, their managers, if they have direct employees and service providers are going to have to do because labor is expensive and it's not getting any cheaper and demands are much, much higher today than they were even just a couple years ago in terms of if I wrote you an email at eight o'clock this morning, I expected an email email back at 815, right? If I emailed you on Friday night at six o'clock and you waited till Monday morning, I waited three days to hear from you. Right. It's sort of just the way that people think now with regards to how often they get responses and that, that instant gratification. Uh, and so AI is going to be a way to, to be able to satisfy some of those things, but it's at less of a human touch. So wards have to sort of wrap their heads around their homeowners will get, uh, quicker responses. They just may not be as heartfelt as they would, would be with a human being doing it.
3: Can well, I- Kelly,
0: yeah, I want to I, I want to get Kelly's take on this because you're <laughs> a consultant.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess a quick question or thought, you know, the way boards could use this, would it be something like, you know, you could use it to draft a policy as a board, right? Because it's going to kind of pull what's out there on the internet. Everybody's always looking for like template policies, like draft me a solar policy. I can already hear all the attorneys that listen to this podcast going, ah, don't yep. do that. But I mean, I could see it being used to by a board to draft sort of the first version of a policy. And then you send it to your attorney who reviews it before you adopt it. But, you know, to kind of give you a template for some of these um, policies and things that need to be created.
1: Completely agree. Uh, And like you said, it's just a matter of making sure that you're still consulting with those experts to make sure that you're not off because AI doesn't discriminate, right? It can be sending you policy ideas uh, that's not state specific, doesn't consider California versus Nevada versus Florida, right? Um, And so different things have to be considered. There still has to be critical thinking, which really only a human being can do. um, But yes, it's a great starting point or, uh, you know, it's a glorified well, search. There's a
0: few human beings that aren't doing critical thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: it, they that's... put
3: things on the internet and then <laughs> yes. this AI goes and finds them and gives them to you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: yeah. Well, there's, there's been some people who have talked about AI in general that say AI can actually hallucinate. So based on information that exists online, AI can say an event happened that never actually happened. So you, you really yeah. do have to, to, to have some guardrails in place. And that's the term that's used a lot, guardrails, to make sure there's a set of eyes looking at that before it hits in. But again, it's just that, that many less keystrokes that I have to, to spend writing the response. I can simply edit the response.
3: Yeah, I think <laughs> editing takes a lot. Less time than it does to type type out the whole response. So if AI can put the first draft together for a manager, I mean, can you imagine how much that would help them with all the emails they're receiving these days? I mean, back hey, when Kelly, I started I'm twenty curious. years ago, we didn't get two hundred emails a day, but you get two hundred emails a day I'm now. I'm curious.
0: Do you think that AI would replace you, Kelly, as a consultant?
3: Uh, no, but I do think that there are, I, I'm a big proponent of AI. So I'll say that I use it um, primarily for writing prompts or drafting the first draft of things, helping with some language, like rewrite this sentence for me, those kinds of things. Um, so I do use AI cause I think it's, it's, but I work alone with not necessarily a lot of other people and from a home office. And so it's not like I have someone and go to their office and say, help me rewrite this sentence. It doesn't sound great. I can put Mm. it in chat GPT and it tells me how to rewrite it Um, or gives me some options that then I can change. So, I mean, I think there are uses cases for that Um, in terms of how I see it being used in the industry and by other companies is primarily for transactional kinds of things. So um, being able to take a payment and post it somewhere um, without necessarily requiring a human to do that actual touching of things or um, invoice coding, invoice review, invoice posting. I've seen a company out there doing that basically, who's going to go through, you know, who can go through 12,000 invoices and code them all in in minutes where it would take human hours to do that. Um, So I, you know, I think there's some applications for AI like Mm -hmm. that that are, going to hit our industry to help streamline some of those back office processes to make them more efficient and really take away that transactional stuff. I think the stuff that's more interesting are the things that um, Andrew's talking about, which is the um, drafting responses for managers crawling through your email and sort of reading Mm -hmm. like when somebody asks the question about what's my assessment, like it auto responds to that for you. So you don't have to respond to that or what if it found a work order issue that needed, that's a little more scary, but like a work order that needs to be issued and then it just creates the work order and now all the manager has to do is just review and approve it. I mean, I think there's some pretty cool applications depending on what it can eventually do, but it, you got to train it. Like Andrew said.
0: <laughs> all right. So then Andrew, the other side of that coin is what is not an ideal situation for the use of AI.
1: Well, we hit on it a bit already. Is just simply to trust it entirely, right? Uh, we have to we have to put minds uh, in review of what it's doing and how it's responding. Um, and one just just one that I see on a on a regular basis, I would say, uh, because Zoom has incorporated it into their virtual meetings, uh, particularly in California. Uh, recording meetings shouldn't shouldn't be a use for AI at this point. Recording meetings is generally not advised by attorneys. There are some states that require it, but most don't. Um, and I would not do that for liability reasons at this point.
0: <clears throat> now, I'm gonna direct a question to Bill for a second because I, you know, I'm not doing this anymore, but <laughs> when I was getting resumes, I could tell when somebody had a AI-generated resume. Yeah, I mean we've it was not only resumes, perfect.
2: RFPs and a few other things we've received are clearly AI generated and not reviewed by somebody. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so to what you're saying Andreth, uh you used the term guardrail? Is that what you were calling it? Guard mm-hmm. guardrail? Mm-hmm. So that is when the idea of that is that it's a smart learning so that the more you teach it the more efficient it
1: becomes. Correct. But then you, you set parameters that say, don't go, don't go past this point. Right. Um, So whether you are putting a guardrail that says only research, California specific, right. If you, if you operate only within a particular state uh, or, or things of that nature, um, you know, or do not, do not uh, research past the last 90 days. Uh, things of that nature so that you're not getting a huge, huge swath of information or it, it, you know, it's just simply not allowed to, to run rampant, uh, across the information superhighway, so to speak.
0: So, Kelly, you were talking about the little bot that's in the corner when you get on a website and you're inquiring about something and then it pops up and goes, hi, I'm, you know, I'm Chad, your, your virtual mm-hmm. assistant, um, do you think we're going to have that kind of use then, Andrew, in AI, where the virtual assistant will identify itself that way and say, you know, Kelly's unavailable at the moment, but I can help you? What is your question?
1: I, well, that, that exists now, and I, I do think that's sort of mm-hmm. uh, version 1.0. But no, I, mm-hmm. I, would have, I would venture to guess if you've interfaced with a larger corporation that you thought you were talking to a human being through chat. You weren't. You were, you were interfacing with some kind of an advanced, I say advanced, um, you know, OpenAI open AI and ChatGPT, that's just the version they give us access to. All of these major corporations have their own versions of AI that they use. And so you wouldn't necessarily know you weren't interacting with the human um, if they didn't want to tell you.
3: Yeah, I had an issue with a package with Amazon, and I had to do this chat thing with them, and it sounded like a human, but I mean, I knew it was a robot because knowing it's Amazon, um, but it did what <laughs> yeah. I needed it to do, so we were fine. But I do know of a management company on the East Coast that had one of these chatbots, and this is probably three years ago now that they made this comment um, at CEOMC. They'd put this chatbot in, and it answered a 1,000 requests a month for them. Wow. And
0: wow. They had
3: about a thousand associations, so you know, but one request a month that, you know, per association that your manager or customer service staff isn't having to answer. That's pretty good.
0: I mentioned I'm I'm intimidated by it because I think it's a little frightening you know, how do you take the fear out of AI for people to get used to using it? I mean, Kelly, I'm impressed. You really sound like you you handle it, no problem. I see it and I go, ooh, I don't want to talk to that, it's a robot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, you know, I've, I've definitely spent some nights sitting in bed spiraling and, and losing some sleep over it, um, just particularly how crazy it could get, right? But what I, what I can say is that, I tend to feel better when I get in and play with it, right? Knowledge and understanding is how we as human beings have have evolved to, to deal with anything that, that is new, right? And so I would just say, embrace it, right? Go into OpenAI, set your account up, it's really easy, and start playing with it. Everybody I've done that with gets super excited and all of a sudden they're just hooked, right? Write me this story, send me, you know, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Go tell ChatGPT tonight to write you a poem for your significant other and give them a few (laughs) facts.
2: Right. Uh,
1: And, and you'll be, you'll be a hero tomorrow. Right. Um, Andrew, how's
2: your staff embraced AI? (laughs) Are they embracing it? Do we have an age issue? You find the younger (laughs) people like it more than some of us old guys.
1: (laughs) You know, we haven't, um, we have not rolled it out within our own company as a, as a, General operating procedure. I'm, I'm sure that people are using it because I'm not naive to that. Um, for me, I want to incorporate it into our day to day when I am comfortable with that the, the guardrails are, are there. Um, we have our CRM software that is developing its own AI component that uh, we use now, uh, a simple version, which is their knowledge base uh, portion of their system. So it can see text in an email and we'll pull relevant articles up on the screen to help that person write the response it doesn't write the response for them yet Uh, but the that that's that's there and we're building that database so that eventually that database can be used to actually draft the response yes
0: well that's fantastic well we hear a lot right now about scams with ai you know people everything from Musicians saying their voices have been captured and used for marketing purposes with other companies or um, parents are claiming they've gotten phone calls from their children asking for money, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
3: How a guy do- in the news that got, he, a financial analyst guy that was scammed by, mm-hmm. he talked to and saw people on the screen who were AI faked and sent like $1.8 million somewhere. Oh, that was in the news this morning. I just read that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how, what are they going to do? I mean, how are we going to kind of prevent ourselves? Because when, you know, honestly, one of the number one places they go is podcasts. To get people's voices, so you're you're on the hook now.
1: <laughs> and they have AI as one of the search terms that they they look for, right? Like, We're going to get those guys. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it for me. Tech, it, it's like anything with technology, right? Um, quite frankly, you have to stop and think more often than not. Somewhere along the way, even that guy who was scammed out of one point eight million dollars, something probably didn't smell right. And if he had just paused at some point. Uh He probably would have would have realized what he had done. He probably did the second after he did it right um so that's that's I would say step number one. There's some things you can do I've thought about with my own family or with my my executive team, ensuring that we use some side of some some level of a code word or we just have some small talk uh mm-hmm. throughout the conversation you know, hey, uh, what, was that, what was that project I had you working on last week? I can't remember. AI is not going to necessarily know that, uh, you know, and, and so th- there's some things you can do to make sure you always incorporate those into conversations. But quite frankly, you know, the phishing emails and all of those types of, of, of vulnerabilities we have in our, in our personal and business world, uh, those are, in my opinion, much bigger threats at this point than what AI is doing. Um, and we still use email. We still use group calendar invites. We still use the technology which creates those vulnerabilities for us. Um, and so it's it's just, so it's just a tool. Smart.
0: You yep. have to just treat it as a tool. One more, Correct. one more in our arsenal to kind of go forward.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Andrew, what do you think? How much time do you think you're going to have spend, I guess, establishing all your guardrails to get this to work? Because it seems to me that's a pretty daunting task.
1: I think it's sort of learn as we go, uh, you know, and, and the biggest, I would say step one is ensuring that nothing actually goes to the end user without a human being looking at it. Okay. Right? And that then helps us to identify where the pitfalls might be or where the challenges might be. And then we can either turn things off or we just say we're limiting this, right? But But for me, it's simply not letting that final product go out the door unless somebody has read it. Uh, that it has a heartbeat.
0: (laughs) You know, um, the musician, Will, I am, he has a podcast and he is now officially has a second host. That is a AI virtual assistant robot. So I guess, you know, that's going to be taking uh, a much more front and center approach to a lot of things. We're going to start seeing maybe human teamed up with, Uh, AI person. I have a Tesla and I've had to try to reach out to Tesla to talk to them on some stuff with my car. And I find it extremely difficult to get past the AI person because you can't get not every single question you have fits in a box. Right. And that's where I struggle with it is I want to be able to ask more than one question or I want to explain my Question in detail, and they want it to fit in in the box, and I think that's one of the things that I still struggle with. So, if you have uh, AI answering questions like your um, management company you mentioned, Kelly, if somebody's going, "Hey, I just need a copy of minutes," or "Hey, I just need to know when the date and time of some meeting is," I could see that being really effective and helpful. But if somebody has a real detailed question, they need to have an opportunity for it to roll to a human right away. And that's where I get frustrated with different companies, not not just Tesla, <laughs> but trying to get to someone who can problem solve beyond the the top 10 questions.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, it's, it, I think it's just important to remember uh AI should be used to be able to handle the low-hanging fruit, right? Uh, which-
0: That's a good way of putting it. allows you to
1: get a response that you need now, right? But as as the consumer, we also have to say, you know what? If I need a more complex answer or I need more answers than, than the simple two or three questions that I started with, I need to be patient and wait for, <laughs> for the human to come, come to me, right? Or to, to put mm-hmm. the request in. Uh, and if we can adjust ourselves and mindset towards that, maybe that's utopia. Uh, but uh, that, that is something that, that you know, just, just keep in mind, you got 90% of the answer that you wanted. Uh, now you have to wait for the 10. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I heard this described during kind of the same presentation about this is really process review. So you're sort of mapping out the processes in your organization and trying to figure out which processes can be automated. Um, by AI or some other tool, if there's an, another automation tool that's different. But, you know, the the only other place that I kind of see this playing into our industry, like from a construction side perspective, is really around, like, the scheduling. So if you think about companies like FedEx or um, UPS, like they've used scheduling software and scheduling tools that AI helps with that. And I think from a construction industry perspective, if you're scheduling jobs, I can see AI you know, being a route scheduler for you or something like that, trying to schedule jobs for you based on certain parameters you put it in. Uh, I think there's different applications, but to Andrew's point, like you really got to dumb it down to, okay, what are the sort of, what are the steps in a process and which of these steps really needs a human and which of these steps could could you automate?
0: I, I liked your idea about, you know, it being able to code a thousand different things in a very short period of time. I think that, you know, where computers could succeed for us is in those efficiencies. So I can see that being something in the, especially in accounting and that type of thing. Um, Salesforce.
3: Yeah, I think (laughs) that honestly, what I've read, Andrew, and I don't know about you, but the the industries that are going to be really disrupted by this are sort of the professional industries, not necessarily the blue collar Grocery store worker, fast food worker, kind of person. It's going to be the the legal profession, the accounting profession. Um, a lot of them are betting on that this is sort of the next tool for them. And I think because of some of the st- things that a manager does, it'll it'll affect us there.
1: I agree. There's there's uh, hopefully going to be a renaissance with regards to blue collar work. Um, it, that's a skill set and, and a group of people that, quite frankly, there's not enough of them out there, right? Um, and I would say, in addition to what you mentioned, there's an industry that directly ties to this that's going to be maybe impacted more than any of them. That's that's the IT and programming industry. You can tell AI to write you code for something that you, you need. Um, and... So you don't have to go to the programmer and you don't have to ask them to do it for you. You can, if you can, again, prompt it the right way, can get that information or that code uh, from from AI.
0: Andrew, um, for somebody like myself who's brand new to AI, <laughs> other than calling Tesla,
2: <laughs>
0: who would you recommend or what would you recommend for somebody to kind of look at it? And like you were saying, you sit up at night and delve into it. What would you recommend for somebody to go check it out?
1: Sim, simple, uh, it's openai.com, openai.com. Um, that is the one that I started with and I still play with today. And when I'm showing somebody for the first time, it you can link to your Google account and log in that way. You don't have to pay anything. You can pay for their, their higher level of service. Um, they actually incorporate now AI as logo designs and image designs, so you can yeah. tell it create me a Renaissance painting of a rose and it'll do um, pretty amazing things. So that would be where I would start just to kind of get your feet wet and you'll be pretty amazed at, that, you know, the free version of what it can do.
0: Very interesting. Well, the name of the podcast is HOA. It's a true story. Do you have a story that you can share with us?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought of just a couple of little funny uh, requests that we received over the years and just tying it to the topic of today, I thought, well, how would AI have dealt with this type of a request, right? <laughs> so uh, one of our Good offices point. is in the East Bay in, in Northern California. Um, and we have uh, the Altamont Pass, which is really close to to our office. If, if you've ever driven from the Bay Area out to Highway 5 or 5 back into the Bay Area, you see all the windmills. Uh, Flowing there. We had a community there in Livermore at the base of the Altamont, and a homeowner emailed us and asked us if we could request that the fans be turned off because it was making it windy at her home. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> so, needless to say, our response was to explain how windmills worked and that that was actually generating power because of the wind and and all that. But I, I thought, <laughs> Could you well, how did I even recognize that that's what she was talking about? Right?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: Uh, that's another, funny. another funny one. uh Owner shows up in the gym. This is a male now in a g-string. uh and <laughs> We get reports from owners and complaints that he's wearing what he's wearing and. You are know, just thinking about how ChatGPT might write the response to explain what appropriate attire is when it's not a human being and it never worn clothes, right? So, um, you know, just things like that 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 uh, have happened many, many times over the years that, that help make the days lighter uh, and help us get a chuckle. A so.
0: little levity in the day. That's right. Well, if anybody would like more information, obviously he mentioned OpenAI.com, but you can reach out to Andrew if you have a specific question, and uh, you can always get us at inquiry at gbgrouping.com, or you can reach Andrew at Helsing Group. It's Helsing Group.com, right?
1: Uh, Just Helsing.com.
0: Helsing.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I can't wait to have this podcast again a year from now and see what ai's done between now and then so thanks i can't again, wait Andrew. to see
3: what you play with when you get in there
2: yeah it will be interesting we might be replaced by then kelly Bye.
0: yeah i might have virtual a virtual assistant. ai host
1: very good well
0: until next time thanks again
1: thank you